Welcome to Kashmir on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashmir Magazine. And tonight's show, I think, will prove to be very interesting. Um, I have some some uh, very interesting uh, shilas and halachas that come up in the house. We're going to be discussing some practical halacha. And I have a few small issues I'm going to take care of in the beginning. And they're not so small, actually. But the, the, the shilas of the house, uh, for many of you, it will be completely new. And for some of you, it'll be a good review. In any event, I'm sure that, that some of the points I'm going to raise will be very, very uh, interesting and, and uh, surprising to some of you. Uh, let's first start with the the announcements and etc. I have two basic announcements in the uh, they're in the alcoholic beverage area, <laughs> so I don't know if the women are interested so much, but the men are very interested in about it. I, I and I, I was a little bit surprised at some of them. So the first one is something I just got today from uh, Star K. It's about Samuel Adams chocolate Bach beer. The beer. It's called Bach beer, and it's uh, chocolate. And it seems that the chocolate... Well, let me read to you what it says from the Star K. Please note that Samuel Adams' chocolate Bach beer will now be certified Star D, dairy, and will bear the Star D symbol. Samuel Adams' chocolate Bach beer, bearing old labels, the beer... Consumed with meat with, uh, should not be consumed with meat or after eating meat. Chocolate Bach is currently included in a Samuel Adams multi-flavor pack, which contains other Star K certified beers, which are parva. <clears throat> so the one who gets the chocolate Bach beer, it's dairy, Cholestam. and it's not going to have a, a Star K on it because that would be Chol Israel only. It's going to have a Star D which means this dairy non chal Israel, And that's what the Samuel Adams chocolate Bach beer is, even though it's sort of lost in a multi-pack uh, with, uh, with other beers. See, uh, so that's, uh, I thought that's a very interesting thing. And I, and I checked up their website, the Star K, and there are a lot of Samuel Adams beers that are under the Star K. Everyone is parva. This is the only dairy one. And I tried very hard to get the ingredients, but I don't think you can get the ingredients. It seems, at least as far as I was able to tell, that the chocolate that they use is dairy. That, and they actually use chocolate. Uh, nuggets, niblets, whatever it's called, uh, you can have to check it up yourself if you want to know more. But I, so far, I do not have the ingredients. But they're telling you it's definitely dairy. Not Chal Yisrael. That's a beer. Interesting. The only one, and it's lost in the shuffle in a pack of Star K certified, and this one's only Star D. So, interesting. Now, there's another one which came out, which I think most people don't know yet that happened. And it's, it's, it was very interesting to me. I love to... I love to delve into these things. That's, that's a, you know, one of my pleasures. <laughs> the Chicago Rabbinical Council, which is, uh, what can I tell you, they're, you know, top of the line in the research and in other things. It, it's amazing what they do. So they, had, they put out a, a, a liquor list that's constantly improving and, and uh, updating, and you have to check it regularly. Anyway, these were made, these changes were made just now, February 15th, okay? So it's uh, a lot of changes. I, haven't go, I have no way to go through all of it. It has beer, gin, vodka, uh, scotch, uh, bourbon, uh, Canadian whiskey, Irish whiskey, rye, uh, a whole bunch of things, maybe 100 different uh, flavors. Some of them are now certified kosher with the uh, the OU, the Star K, the uh, KLBD, Oregon K, uh, some of them are Kosher Le Pesach, you know, some of them are COR, a whole bunch of Hashgachas. Then they have some that are recommended and have no Hashgacha. And then they have the newly non-recommended. 
So I just took a peek in the ones that are not recommended. And I thought was interesting is some of the ones that they mentioned. I did a little research on it. For example, Jim, Jim Beam, which is a very well-known company. Jim Beam makes a bourbon. So it seems the OU certifies nine of the Jim Beams. But there's another one. Maybe there's many more. But anyway, there's one more that's not recommended. It's called Distiller's Masterpiece. It's Jim Beam, a Beam uh, bourbon, but it's a bad one. It's not recommended. The good part is the other ones, they have the, a lot of them have the OU, and you probably find the OU on the packaging, hopefully. But at least uh, it's, it gets tricky with, the beer, with these liquors. And what's going to happen is... You may have to do your own troubleshooting because there's a time lag between when the CRC puts this up and the other cashless agencies wake up and whether the mashkicham are trained, and whether the the person who candles the wines and the liquors and the caterer is aware of all this. There's a time lag. I can't tell you what's a month, uh, six months. I can't tell you how long it takes. But I'm just giving you a, a heads up that you could get this on the, uh, well, you wouldn't get it the way I have it, because I, you have to get it, uh, this paper from the Star K. They don't send it out to everybody but you would be able to get the new list on the Star K website. I'm sorry, the CRC website. But you can't get this from the, from the, you have to get from the office the list that I have. Just ask them for the February 15th new update list of those that are on and off the recommender list. Now, what I thought was interesting also was uh, some of these very well-known names. The Glenn Livet. So, I knew Glenn Livet was something that uh, people were using, so I, I checked it out, and this is what I found. These are not recommended. The, the 18, 21, and 25-year-old Glenn Livet. The 25 and 21-year-old just became no good right now. I'm sorry, the, uh, yeah, 25 and 21-year-old just became not acceptable now. But before that, the 18 also was not acceptable. But, uh, uh, and the master, what? It's a big news for the yeah. discussion. Right? Yeah, and then Master Distiller is another uh, product name, Master Distillers. That, that's a, another, uh, another uh, name of a product by Glenlivet. But the 12-year-old first fill only. The first fill. I mean, they use the the, uh, the, the, uh, the 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 they put them into the casks. They, they put them in the first time. So the first fill, the twelve year Glenlivet is okay. And uh, Founders Reserve and uh, Nadura sixteen year old and first fill selection. These are names of ones that are acceptable. So you have to go on the CRC website. They show you which ones are good, which ones are not. But the point being that a lot of the Glenlivets, people say, oh, I got Glenlivet. Which year? Which product? Oh, is it? it makes a difference? Yeah, it makes a difference. It's not Glenlivet that's okay. It's particular years. It's it, because they use casks to, uh, to, you know, to finish them off. And uh, so some of them are, are kosher and some of them are not. Now, another very, 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 very popular name, that's why I, I sort of say it to last, is Glenn Fittich. And that you'll see in all your simplest, Glenn Fittich. So now there are a whole slew that are no good. We just added two more to the list. Project XX and Winter Storm. Those are out. But I'm going to tell you that these are the ones that are in and these are the ones that are out. The new one, the ones that are in, they're acceptable. Well, many of them have hashkocha uh, from the uh, Manchester Basin. So the Glenfiddich 14-year-old bourbon barrel reserve is okay. Age of Discovery 19-year-old bourbon cask reserve is okay. Excellence 26-year-old is okay. IPA experiment is okay. And fire and cane are approved, which means it doesn't have any ashkoch, but it's not for the MBD, but it's approved, fire and cane. 
Now, the ones that are no good, and this is really interesting, because I'm going to read to you, and you'll see in a second what, what's the excitement here. The not recommended include the 12-year, the 15-year, 18-year-old. Now, listen to this next one. This is the, this is the key. This one is a Glenn Fittich. It's called, 19, it's called Age of Discovery, 19-year-old, Madeira cask finish. That's no good. But the same name, Age of Discovery, 19-year-old bourbon cask reserve, is acceptable. So you have names that are almost the same. And you, and you as the consumer are expected to know this, it's impossible. I mean, maybe some Bucky and all this going to figure it out. I mean, I certainly wouldn't know. People say, I got a bottle of the Glenfinnich. Good, yeah, fine. You got a good one, you got a kosher one. <laughs> Interesting. That's what. That's the challenge of our age. Nebuch, nebuch. So uh, you, you, you have to start uh, uh, catching up on, on, on this reading. And uh, You can go to the CRC website, crcweb.org. You get it there. If you want to call the CRC, maybe they'll email it to you or fax it to you. You could ask them for the February 15th, 2018 update and uh, the changes to the liquor list. And you can download the whole, or somebody, if you don't have a computer, so you can, you can have somebody else download it for you. CRC has a lot of very healthy uh, lists of recommenda re recommendations, not just the liquor list. The, Beverage list, uh, a whole bunch of them. Very, very good die to have. Okay, this brings me now to my topic for today, which is practical halakhas in the home. What happened was, there wasn't that much happening in Kashmir this week, at least in my little area. So I just said to myself, let's, you know, let's let's learn a little Torah. Let's learn something Lamaisa. Let's learn, let's learn things we got to know about kosher. So I was going to talk about a certain aspect. It's a little bit more removed, but I, I see that I was better off using some of the things that are already printed, and then I'm going to be sneaking in as we go along. So let's start with some practical questions. I'm working off right now something by Rabbi Kaganoff. I don't know if you know who Rabbi Kaganoff is. Rabbi Yermio Kaganoff went to Ney Israel. They got a uh, smicha there in uh, 1977, and a doctorate in Talmudic law from the Israel in, in 1981. And in 82, he became a rov in the young Israel, the greater Buffalo. And he stayed there till 86. And uh, he also was the founding rabbinical, founding, I'm sorry, the founding rabbinical administrator of the Vada Kashras of Buffalo, which is a wonderful organization I know very well. And then in 1986, he and his family went to Baltimore, took over a shul over there, and eventually, in 97, they made Aliyah. He lives in Eretz Israel. Uh, he's in the Neve Yaakov neighborhood. And uh, he has he's written seven svarim uh, in English and in Hebrew. Very popular writer. If you haven't seen his stuff, it's, it's very die. It's very easy. And uh, you could get it on the internet. If you go to the internet, you know, it's like writing Rabbi Kaganoff. There's two F's at the end, K-A-G-A-N-O-F-F. -F. Um, you don't even need the first name, but it's Yermiyahu. And, uh, you know, it's a, he's got a wonderful material. So let me, let me give you a little bit of what he had. He started off with a, uh, a beautiful title, Double Duty Soups, Onerous Onions, and Not Burn Not. That's some kind of title, huh? Anyway, what he's talking about is uh, some questions that come. So let me give you the questions that the way he presented them. So, Rachel asks Harov, can I cook a part of a soup in my fleshic kapat and then serve it with milking and fleshic meals? Is this okay? I mean, somebody told me you could do it. Can I cook part of a thing, part of a soup in my fleshic pot and then serve it with milking and with fleshic meals? I have some leftover kugel. Can I eat? Really be maybe more flashics than he thinks, but. Thing. Another question. Mrs. Dweck. 
All right, you see the, from the name already what's going on here, right? Mrs. Dweck told me that she cooks her rice and other vegetables in her dairy pots, and then she serves them with meat meals or dairy meals. I was taught this is 100% forbidden. Can I trust her? Bakashwas. I love that question. <laughs> she seems more knowledgeable and careful about halacha than I am, but she can't accept this thing about the cooking in the dairy pot and using it for flesics. Okay. So basically, it comes down to the question of cooking something in a pot. We all know this din. If you, maybe you're not familiar with the phraseology, it's called not by not. Can I cook something in a fleshic, a keili, and then use it with the opposite min? So let's say, for example, uh, you cook something in a fleshic pot. Does it make it really fleshic? It's called not by not. To, to, to understand the, the concept of not by not means it's a, it's a step removed. It's not the regular flavor. If I take something... Uh, let's say uh, meat, and I cook it in a dairy pot, and you use the pot today for milchiks, and I cook it in fleshiks now, the food is usser, and the, and the pot is usser. That's simple, because the flavors mix. But now let's switch it a little bit, and I'm cooking something parva in a, in a fleshika pot that I use today for fleshiks. So does that food become fleshiks? Well, it's not the same as cooking it with meat, uh, so it, it, it's it's something different. Yes, a tom comes out, but there's nothing fighting it. You know, no bussa b'chol of question here. Do I make this thing fleshix by just cooking something in a fleshix pot? That's the question. And the answer is it's called a not by not. It's an indirect, a secondary taste. Rabbi Kaganoff likes to call it the son of, because bar means son, like bar mitzvah. So he says that the, it's the son of taste. Okay, whatever you call it, but it's a secondary taste, and it's, so it's not the same thing as the actual actual food itself. It's the flavor, but it's not the food, and therefore it's secondary taste, the different level. In the Gemara, they had a case. Nothing. And in the in the Gemara says that you can have that that fish that went on the plate or the uh, the uh, or the pot or whatever it was frying pan, but there's not, it's not on the frying pan, not the pie. The plate is not hot and the and the, uh, the, the, and the pot is not being on the fire, and you put a hot fish in there, yes, something goes in. But the halacha says you could have that with butter, with cheese, whatever you want. You bake the potato. It's hot on your hands. It falls down onto a fleshika plate. A fleshika pot, a fleshika frying pan. The frying pan is cold, the plate is cold, it's all cold. But the potato is burning hot. It dropped out of your hands. And it falls there. Now you wanted to have this with milchiks. You took it out of, uh, you know, you, you baked it in a, in a part of a way, whatever it is, but you were planning to have it with milchiks. So you are allowed to go ahead and add butter to that. I can do it as an Ashkenazi. You, if you're a Svadi, you can do it for sure. You have more leniency than we do. But either way, we can definitely take... ...eat cold, this, or flesh, anything. Not by not, the Gemara says... The din of the Gemara. Nobody argues with it. What's exciting is about if you didn't. So now we have potatoes cooking in a fleshika pot. 
potatoes cooked in a fleshica pot, can I add butter to those potatoes? Well, that's the same thing, isn't it? No, it's not the same thing because this is cooking. But it's hot and that's hot. What's the difference? The difference is the Gemara gave me one example. Can I extend it now to the rest? And that is a topic. That's a huge topic. Many of the Rishonim held that you could use it. We could put the butter on it. But basically, in terms of Shulchan Aruch, the way it comes out, the Svardim are allowed to put butter on it, and the Ashkenazim are not allowed to put butter on it. A potato that cooked in a fleshika pot, the Svardim are allowed to put butter on it. Of course, not together with a fleshika, the silverware and on the plates. No, we're talking about after it was cooked, it was a clean pot that had been used today to cook. It was today, it was fresh, you know, you used the fleshiks and then you cleaned it well and you put a potato in and you cooked the potato. You allowed a Swati can add butter on a parva plate or something or milking a plate. And, I, and, and we, mean the Ashkenazim, cannot do that. But the Ramor says that if you add it, means to me, Ashkenaz, if I added butter to that potato, I could eat the potato. I can't, we're not, he, the Ramor says you're not allowed to do it. But if it happened that the, that the, the cheese or the butter was added to that potato, I could eat it. So, for example, if a Sephardi makes a bunch of potatoes or puts in butter there, so certainly I could eat it now because that's after the fact. But if he sees that he sees I'm coming to the meal, so I should tell him, leave off the butter for me. Up front, which means to say that I am not allowed so let's take a, no, not me. Let's take a Sparty. A Sparty Jew is not allowed to put a potato into a fleshika pot and put up the fire, put up the water, bake, the, uh, cook the potato, and then add butter to it. That is not what I said, and that's he says. You know what? I did Gashal Shudas, I can have it. Butter. But he the case. This in the other day, but it, the Gemara said a fleshika pot or fleshika uh, plate or something. But it, it's if you read, listen to the words, it says that ha- it they had been put there. It means it's after the fact. You're not allowed. Sounds a little, you know, tricky, but that's the way it is. So let's review quickly what I have so far, and then I can go on to some of the practical aspects. And I want to zero in a little some of the things that Rabbi Kagan upset. So first, we're going to start again. A piece of, of fish that's hot gets put down on a fleshika plate. It doesn't become fleshics. It doesn't, there's no problem. You can put a, you can have it in a, in a cheese if you eat cheese and fish, some people don't eat fish and cheese. But if you eat fish and if you eat fish and cheese, you could if you cooked it and decide afterwards that you would like to add butter, the Sephardi can add butter, the Ashkenazi cannot add the butter. Since you've been so nice,
seven years or I'm seven years where I'm on the radio here, so I'm sure I want to say it a second time. I don't believe I said it more than once. Maybe. Rav Zimmerman taught like this. Usually serve. Now, many people have a special end up using, let's say, a dairy one or fleshika one. And since most of the meals on Shabbos are meat, so therefore he's going, she's going to use a, uh, a meat pot to cook up the gefilte fish. So we're assuming the woman did not have a part of a pot as, and, and she, she used the fleshika pot. Ben Yomo or Eno soup or something like that. We're talking, was it used for meat in the last 24 hours? So if it was used for meat in the last 24 hours, so then the rule that I told you before about the, uh, the fish applies right here. So the Ashkenaz cannot use that uh, that fish at a milchikashal shudas in the summertime. He can use it if he's having a parvashal shudas in the winter, but he can't use it at a milchikashal shudas where they're going to serve milk. And the uh, the, uh, the 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 svardi, a person who's a svardi, and he used the ben yomo flesh kapat, can use it. Uh, the fish uh, with the milk like a meal if there's some left over but he can't make it with intent to go ahead and to serve it with the, the shawl shudas so the problem comes up there are three meals and you're making a, a large amount of fish at all three meals now the third meal in the summer is going to be dairy so, you know, we ha- and, y- and yet the pot was flashics. So you can't go ahead and do that. Even, an, even a spardy can't do it because that's using it with milchics. With the, uh, uh, no, no, so can, a spardy can do it. A spardy can do it. If it's cooked in a flashic a pot, the ben yomo, a spardy could do it. He could put it. He could serve it now with the flesh with the milchikah meal, but only if he didn't if he didn't intend to have it with the milchikah meal. Since you for svardi, because you you you're doing it in order to have it with the milchikah meal. Now, so what does it mean for Ashkenazi? So the only Ashkenazi shail is the following. And this is how my Rebbe taught. What about if the pot was not used in the last 24 hours? So really, technically, the fish can't become flashix at all. Nothing. Not an opera, not, none of this, none of that. Shouldn't be anything at all. But we have one little rule. And the rule is that you can't have, you can't treat an Eno Ben Yomo like a Ben Yomo. I'm sorry, you do have to treat an Eno Ben Yomo like a Ben Yomo. You can't Treat an Eina Ben Yomo is different. The fact that this has not been used for 24 hours, we are supposed to conduct ourselves as if it was a Ben Yomo and been used the last 24 hours for meat. And therefore, we're not allowed, the Ashkenaz, to use even an Eino Ben Yomo pot cooking up the fish and using it for Shaul Shudas with intent to use it for Shaul Shudas. But if you have left over the shawl shudas cooked up a filter fish in a fleshic pot which was not used within 24 hours for fleshics by the time you couldn't cook the fish and then you uh, and you're not allowed to prepare it enough to make it for shawl shudas and to have it with milk in the summer but if you did have extra you can serve it at the milchika meal but the Rav Zatzal that's Rav Zimman Zatzal Rosh Zimman he taught us like this but you can't fool a Kaddish Baruch 
if you know last week in the summer you had that you had extra and this week you're gonna have extra so then you're not fooling anybody it's not that you, it's not that there was something left over you're making enough to last for it you know some people put in uh, one fish gefilte fish some people put in two some people one and a half in you know what you're doing the woman knows how much she's cooking for, how many meals, how many people. She has a pretty good handle on it. So when you are cooking extra for that shalashudas, so then not allowed, even in Eina Ben Yomo pot, you're not allowed to use it for Ashkenaz, cannot use that fish left over for shalashudas. It's only if accidentally something's left over. I sometimes have to say this over two or three times in my shirim because the guys don't have it, catch it that fast. So if you didn't get it, don't don't feel it's a problem. And you can uh, listen to the tape, maybe. <laughs> okay. By the way, if you if you have ever during the week, if you ever want to hear the tapes, you can listen to them hopefully at seven one eight five zero six nine zero nine nine. And then you punch in, I think, three for Monday, and then I forgot what number I am on the day. My name comes up. But anyway, it's uh, 518-506-909, which you can also listen to the show. And you can also listen to the 207871046, 7207871046. And as usual, also the archive in the jrootradio.com and the jroot. So that's uh, that's what we got so far. Hopefully more. <laughs> uh, let's go on a little bit to some of these practical questions. So, but without uh, you know belaboring the point, um, he 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 zeroes in on this this question of uh, the, the, this these questions. Let's go back to the three questions that he raised here. A part of a soup, cook a, cooking a, a part of a soup in a fleshiga pot and serving it with milchik or fleshik meals. So the answer is, the Sephardi can... If they want to, then the Sephardi would not serve it well while milk is on the table. So I... Cooking up in, in fleshika pots, With the uh, with the milk, they're not together in the flesh of a pot. We're talking about your own rough. Uh, I I think. Go topics it's called the Minagaramo. It's a funny thing to be called the Minagaramo. The Ramo is the Ramosha Isilis. You know that the Shulchan Aruch is, com- is comprised of two parts: the Rav Yosef Karo, the Svardi Rav, who wrote. That's that we always call them the Mechaber, the one author author of the Shulchan Aruch, and the Ramor, and his humility, didn't write a separate book, but he and he wanted to combine the laws that apply to the Ashkenazic world, and in, in his humility and his respect for the for Rav Yosef Karo, he just called it, you know, Hagos additional points and uh, sometimes you argue with the Mechaber, sometimes not but in any event he gave you the Ashkenazic approach and uh, so that that's how the Shulchan Aruch is comprising the two aspects now one of the questions is an interesting thing it happens very very often in the show that I'm going to talk about more often than anything else I can think of you have a you have a question where you have a pot of soup that's in a fleshiga pot. And we'll 
rev it up a little bit. The pot is Ben Yomo. Ben Yomo means within the last 24 hours, you cooked on the fire meat in there that made it Ben Yomo. If it was a dairy pot, you, you used real milk in there or cheese, not something that, you know, that's dairy in your general terms, but something that really has got the dairy ingredients in there in a significant manner that, that would actually be called halachically milchiks. And that's the Ben Yomo. So you have a Ben Yomo pot and you put it in it, we're going to take it and make life easy, you put it in a part of a soup or beans, or peas, whatever it is, carrots, corn, I don't know, whatever you do, you have in there. And by mistake, you took a spoon that was the opposite. You took a dairy spoon. So we have a part of a food in a flesh kapat, cooking on the fire and being stirred with the opposite mint, with the, with the spoon from the opposite side. Flesh kapat, ben yomo, According but they're clean. Not the good. Water, maybe you threw out that water. Remorse, I just threw out that water. That's something different. We're, we're talking now about the... the uh, as, however, follow the Ramor. In a fleshika pot, they, the milchika spoon and the fleshika spoon, the fleshika pot, have to be kashered. They kosher it. This is a simple question that happens all the time in people's houses. They take it, okay, right? That's what he paskins. That you, they're both ben yomo, you have to kosher the spoon and the pot. The food is a different story. The food... The food is a, it, it, it is a different story because we don't want to waste food. The, you know, the, the pot can be kosher, but to throw something out, not so simple. But that's, that, 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 but if we water, we throw it out for sure. Now, let's go one step further. This happened, but one of them wasn't Ben Yomo. So one of them, let's say the spoon wasn't a Ben Yomo. And the pot was a Ben Yomo. So technically, this is what everybody thinks. You get a pass because the Eno Ben Yomo spoon, the food inside has started to turn a little bit. We consider it to be bad flavor inside. It's not disgusting or anything, but it's not positive flavor coming out. So after 24 hours, whatever was inside turned slightly. And that slight difference makes it no St. Tom Lifgam. So that spoon can't answer anything. That's how everybody teaches. But it's not the real psak of the Ramor. The real psak of the Ramor is that there's a minute that you have to kasha the spoon. Again, the pot is a Ben Yomo Fleshix. You're cooking a part of a thing in the, in the Fleshix pot. That's Ben Yomo Fleshix. The spoon is an Eino Ben Yomo. So we know that the milk in the spoon is not going to affect the pot. And that's true. And it's not going to affect the food. And that's true. But maybe that spoon is going to be affected by the pot. Because the pot is a Ben Yomo. So the Minagaramoy is, you have to kasha the spoon. Let me review it. Very important halacha. If you have a fleshika pot that was used within the last 24 hours for meat 
and you put a part of a thing in, and you put it on the fire, and you're cooking it up, and then you stir it with a milk spoon that was not used within 24 hours for actual milk or cheese, then that spoon has to be koshered. The food is kosher, and the pot is kosher. But the spoon has to be koshered. We could... hours. The food inside is parva. He's in the fire. What was in the and I stuck the the spoon in I have to cash with the pot. This is the Eno Ben Yomo. The Eno Ben Yomo can't ask the Ben Yomo. Probably heard it here. I'll do it. I'll, I'll understand it. So the, the rabbi says, okay. Rabbi says, there are two ganavim, two robbers, and they're sneaking into the house through the chimney. They come down the chimney, and one has a dirty face. The other one's face is clean. So which one's going to wash his face? So the farmer says, the one with a dirty face is going to wash his face. So the rabbi says, I told you you wouldn't understand Gemara. How, how could it be that the, the, the one who has a dirty face sees the one with the clean face and he thinks his face is clean? It's the one with the clean face that sees the one with the dirty face and he thinks his face is dirty, so he washes. So the farmer says, thank you very much, Rabbi. Now I understand Gemara. And this farmer starts to go away. And the rabbi says... I told you you wouldn't get Gemara. How could it be that two piece, the two uh, robbers come down the same chimney and one has a clean face and one has a dirty face? That's, that's the joke. But the point is that the one that's Eno Ben Yomo over here, which doesn't have any power, can't answer the one that is Ben Yomo, but the one is Ben Yomo that has that, con- that, has that uh, amount of, uh, let's say, meat inside because it was just used today, that can affect the Eno Ben Yomo. That's the Minaka Ramor. This din I just taught, taught you now is not commonly known. It's not a common thing that people know this. It's a very important halacha. And I'm going to add one more thing to help you tremendously. Every single piece of silverware in your drawer right now is Eno Ben Yomo. Every single piece in your drawer, fork, knife, spoon, in your drawer right now is Eno Ben Yomo. How do I know that? I'm not in your house. Don't worry. I'm not coming through the chimney. Don't worry about it. But I know that it's Eno Ben Yomo. How do I know? Because we have a rule. Stam Kalim in the Benayomo, a general, you know, it was a garden variety of, of, of utensils, it's considered in the Benayomo. Unless you know that you use today this particular spoon or fork and knife in a, on a clearishon in the fire, some say clean shiny also, whatever, but unless you know you use it hot today, it's an Eno Benayomo. And I have six, seven, eight spoons, and six, seven, eight forks, and uh, I mean, I probably have more than eight, but I mean, whatever the number is, I got a whole bunch of, uh, in my drawer, and obviously, when, when, when I take one out, I don't know which one it is. Yes, you maybe use today a spoon, 
Maybe you used a knife or a fork today. But how do you know it's this one? Now, if you say, I have them piled up and this one, the top one. Okay, so you know. But most people are using two or three forks. They don't know which one it is. But I used one of them today, but that's not enough. Every one of these is a suffix, whether it's a, 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 whether it's a benyomo or not. And the assumption is it's not a benyomo. So in the case of that, the pot, if, if the pot I know was a benyomo because I do know that pot, it's only one that looks like that in my house. So that size or that color, I know what that pot is. So I know they use that today. Then I have a problem as far as the pot being benyomo. But the spoon or the fork or the, the, the knife is very likely ain't a benyomo. And it's, the assumption could be done that way. But that still means I might have to kasha that. So again, you have to know what your kalim are. And many, many people, they lose the halachas because they don't know. They get all nervous and throw things out and make themselves some sugar. The first question everybody asks, you have to ask, the Rav has to ask you, and you have to ask yourself, is for milk, etc. Now, in the lucky case, which is more common than you think, nothing with nothing, because you can't ask for something. You have to have one of them as being a Benyomo. Otherwise, nothing is really going to happen. So these are the, uh, as a, as a, as a, as a sort of a look at the topic. Uh, uh. We have a question here. Oh, I didn't know. Our uh, UGGS, uh, okay, Shatnes, UGG, it's Ags. This is a um, boots. No, no, this is a whole topic. I don't have enough of it. I mean, ask you about shotness. I know that I, I got a, emails about it. I don't, I'm not up to date on that. I cannot answer you. I wish I could. Okay, I so. could not. I, uh, I saw it just the other day. I do not know the. Uh, of shotness. It's not my area at all. I want to share with you something that uh, well, I think maybe we have a few minutes left. Yeah, we have about 12 minutes left. I'll share with you personal note, and maybe I'll get to some other stuff. This is an email I got. It's from... Three years ago. So I just get got yesterday. It was two days ago, it looks like. I he told me actually it was so late that it was eleven twenty four at night, so uh it, it really was gonna be Tuesday, it was really yesterday. problem for us. Uh, I want to change it because of the printing of it. And when you print something, you want to make sure everybody's happy. So I want to make sure he was happy. And I also wanted to make sure the COR in Canada was happy because he's, he works in Canada. But it's interesting notes. So I think you'd enjoy it. Almost. 11, 12. and myself to stay on part-time at the Chicken Nest restaurant. Seventy seats with over a hundred items to cover with me on the cover of Kasha's magazine when we did the story about Rabbi uh, Bloom. I, it, it has a, a picture with him and uh, with some uh, non-Jewish work over there. I'm there in the afternoon checking the kitchen and all product in the walk-in free 
during the dinner hour. Very important to overstay. Two weeks ago, I found a A very frum lady was feeding her baby milk. This is a Fleischer restaurant, you understand. And somewhere between 11 and 11.30 p.m., back doors, but also to make sure locks. These are manuspec manufactured specially for COR with a hole for a numbered plastic plumber, and the key blanks are only available from the manufacturer. There are only two people with the keys to the establishment, myself and the owner. He's a religious Jew. So he opens up in the morning, 18 pilot lights he has to turn on every morning, and I close at night, which includes checking the washrooms for any stragglers. I found one once, waiting for everything to be so we could steal from the cash register. No. And you trust them. So many people thank me as they leave. The position is very important and the whole community expects from me nothing less than 101% kashras. And I get out and meet people, many of my friends in this community, and a little extra income. Decided about a year ago, that since many of its mashkichim were complaining about checking vegetables, leaving no time for anything else, so the office appointed three mashkichim whose sole job was to check vegetables, going from establishment to establishment and only checking vegetables. Well, I would prefer to do this myself. This makes my job less time-consuming and onerous and more manageable. All in all, it's a perfect retirement and all arranged for me by Rabbi Bloom, I, I felt it gave a little flavor to the job of the mashkiach, the involvement with the mashkiach. He is in a unique situation, and he's always been working near his house. And I don't know if you remember when we had, we had him on the radio here, and he actually was in my house. He stayed over when we gave out the award. Uh, the, Rabbi Bloom uh, uh, is a person that works a few years to see. Community, and they all rely on him, and they all saw him. He's going from one store to another. He's not near Bath Harrison Avenue, and he's walking up and down the street, maybe three, four, five blocks, and uh, all day long we're going from one establishment to the other, covering different aspects of it, and uh, crisscrossing and going back and checking again. So he he was maintaining twelve, I think, it was twelve places for them, and now he's just taking care of this one place, uh, not full time, but fully. He's taking care of it fully there for them, part time. And that's uh, that's a little bit of an insight on on, on some level of what uh, what's going on in the Kasha's field. So so far we we did accomplish a couple of things tonight. Now I'm going to share with you something that's a little bit different. Uh, I wish that I could give you uh, the entire piece, but I can't. So we'll see how far that goes, and then maybe there's one more thing before the time is up. Somebody contacted me and. I have my own feelings about the 7-Eleven. I've mentioned them here many times. I'm not going to belabor all the parts of it. But somebody called me up and he said, oh, you know, the CRC in Chicago, they came out and said that everything is, the soda fountain in the 7-Elevens is absolutely no good. And uh, and I
going to go into it completely because it's only own to be Seven Eleven introduced a to read an informative article on the subject. Click here, which I did, and I got the article. It's from W. I'm to read it now. everything moves and this so the different syrups that are coming in is there, is there a crossover so the good news the symbol on the bottle Soda it says that this new soda You know, oh, three minutes. But the camera came off, his hair grew long, Shabbos. day paper saw an advertisement which caught his eye a yeshiva in the area was looking for his janitor the thought of stepping foot into a yeshiva again was a little difficult for Moshe it had been several years since Moshe had ever left had left Yiddishkeit however at this point he, he was literally starving he could do anything with money so a little while later he went to Shlomo Fry fell a blessed man Speak about the position. Present it. Even though it was very light and faint, but there was still something burning inside. And uh, he had come from the best yeshivas in Europe. From Shlomo. A maggot cheer? Me, me a maggot cheer? I've long hit. Moshe had learned in yeshiva? He's going to give a shear on above Metziah. The guy without yarmulke, with long hair. This is yeshiva. Rav Shalom Feifel's yeshiva in the Shari Yosher, Yosher in Farakaway. There was very little time to prepare. So, but Moshe has it over above Metziah. And he began giving the Shia. The first day, it worked. Piece by piece, the whole uniform came back. And he became from... Today, he's, a, 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 he's the grandfather of Orthodox family. All because Rav Shlomo saw the spark in him and wouldn't take no for an answer. You are, could be a Magid Shir. That's a Rebbe. That's a Rosh Hashiva. This, uh, you've been listening. And wishing one.
the week, 718-336-8.